Imagine this. You should have gone to bed hours ago. Either you missed that sleepy window or some worry keeps you up, or you went to sleep only to wake again. In the dark of your home or in the humdrum of a hospital room, you flick on the television and its glow fills the air around you. At 3 a.m., there aren't too many options for viewing. There are the reruns of a popular show from yesteryear, or the syndicated reality series, or someone trying to sell something with their bright eyes and energetic flailing of arms. They're testifying to a life changed by the exercise equipment. They're giving witness to the saved produce in the fridge with this one special contraption. They're lauding the time regained with the meditation books on tape for three easy payments. False gods are like infomercials. They want to make an easy path out of your problems. But first, they want your money and your belief and perhaps even your firstborn. Basically, any what any god except the one made known in Jesus Christ says is this. If you give me this, that, and the other thing, then I will provide for you whatever it is that you want most. Isn't that exactly the question that Jesus faced when he walked in the wilderness with Satan? The tempter said to him, bow to me and I'll give you all the power in the world and make God prove that he loves you. Throw yourself down from the heights. It's the same question, indeed, that the Israelites face in today's New Testament, Old Testament lesson. Walking in the wilderness as they are, free as they are from the slavery of Egypt. And yet, when asked to trust in God for their daily bread, they cry. Let's be honest, we cry too for the comfortable, though destructive, habits of sin and starvation. There's a deal to be made with the devil when we fall for an infomercial, when we follow the false gods of money, security, notoriety, of anything than the God made known in Jesus Christ. We're always asked by them to give up something, to sacrifice something precious for the sake of this temporary security or fleeting peace offered by the latest shiny thing. This God made known in Jesus Christ is different because he does not require anything from you before you receive the gift that he has to offer. God's kingdom does not work on credit or on IOUs. So let's look a bit closer at the gospel text for this morning then to see where and how we might find this God and what he has to offer. Maybe we can learn how to see this God in the world around us and receive the gifts that he has to give us. The next day, when the people who remained after the feeding of the 5,000 saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got themselves, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. Some people were fed, and then they left. 
They moved on their way. They went back to their lives, back to their own refrigerators, back to life as usual. Some people stuck around. Maybe they spent the night on the ground, and when they woke, they found that the food trucks had left. I wonder if they stayed because they were hoping for an omelet at breakfast, if they thought this might be a new start for them, a way to pass off their daily responsibilities, somewhere that might be a continuing, stable source of food for their hungry bellies. Maybe Jesus was their meal ticket. But when they roused in the morning, Jesus was not there. Their host had left, so some of the people went after him. They got themselves into boats and followed the way they thought he might be. We are all of us searching for God, looking, looking, looking. Whether a person is an atheist or a nun, people are made for worship, made to seek a God and follow it. We're made to search and to chase for power and control in our lives. We're wired to feel restless in our quest and distractible in our desires. Our angst and our confusion is a deep call for the divine because no other power or person or theory or method or pacifier can quell this feeling of insufficiency, of gnawing hunger, of disquieted desire. We might try to quiet the roar of discomfort in our lives with liquor or with food. We might try to save and keep hold of things that can comfort us, to grasp them closely. We might try to retreat into ourselves, leaving our communities and relationships with just a blank stare and no response. Even these things become false gods, just like the more commonly preached against evils of love of money or addiction to security or insulation from anyone different from you. Here's the thing about each one of those and anything else that draws us from the love of God. False gods can only be used. They can never be enjoyed. They're made to stuff down the real desires and loves of our lives, to silence the injustice and pain that resides in each of our broken hearts. False gods numb rather than heal. Only God, the God made known in Jesus Christ, is equipped to heal, to transform, to make new to feed and nourish and quell thirst and bring new life. More than eating our fill of the loaves, more than a mercenary exchange of goods and services, the God made known in Jesus Christ longs for relationship, to enjoy your very presence your very being. God is not too busy to sit with you. God is not too big to be bothered with you. God is not too important to notice you. Indeed, it is 
God's joy and delight to be with you, to spend time with you, abide with you as the evening falls, stay with you through the dark night to calm your heart in those darkest places and to share the glory of the sunrise with you. This God is the bread of life, the food which does not perish, the deepest longing in our hearts, our minds, our souls, our bodies. The casting about that we experience, searching for the next organizing system that will change our lives, the next exercise regimen which will finally transform our bodies, the long list that we'd love if we could just check off one more thing, the deeper desire in us, the hum beneath all of this noise is the longing for God. More than we need food, and clearly we need lots and lots of food, many times a day even, more than we need food, we need God. We long for God. We desire God. We are made to be restless for God. We are hungry for God. Just as the light of the television fills the air around us as we stare at the screen, watching for something to soothe our ravaged souls, God fills the air around us. If we would but breathe him in, recognize him, notice his presence. The last few weeks, I've been working on making sourdough bread. I started with just flour and water and let it ferment on my kitchen counter to make its own yeast, its own bubbles and leaven. I've gotten to the point now that I'm working on the loaves, on baking the bread and learning how to help it rise. I read that the bread gets better as you make more of it because the yeast hangs around in the air. As I stir up yeast in the air with my kneading and raising and baking, more yeast starts floating around and it collects and lands back in the bread and back in the starter so that it pollinates itself. It flows around the kitchen to make each loaf richer than the next, more complex, sturdier. God's bread of life is the same. The more we eat of it, the more we partake of Holy Communion, the more we ingest God's word, the more we spend time in prayer and in God's presence, the more we're concerned with noticing how God is creeping around the corners of our everyday lives, the more we see his fingerprints, the more we sense his presence, the more we're transformed by his breath of life the more we fall in love with him, this God made known in Jesus Christ. I end with a courageous and sincere prayer by a mystic from the Middle Ages. Oh, my Lord, if I worship you from fear of hell, burn me in hell. 
If I worship you from hope of paradise, bar me from its gates. But if I worship you for yourself alone, grant me the beauty of your face. Amen. Amen. Amen.